0: Hello and welcome to Not Our First Rodeo, a podcast on faith and life by Christian women who have collectively made every mistake in the book. This is a Titus 2 podcast by King of Kings PCA and we hope this episode is edifying to you as you continue to grow in holiness.
1: Hey Linda, what's going on? Nothing much Gail, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing okay, it's good to see you and to be together with our listeners today We are covering a topic that is a newer topic of interest to me that occurred. It just so happened through someone who I was meeting with for discipleship and a class I was taking and my own personal devotionals all were in Luke one year. Right. So in one year, Luke's pretty extensive. I read Luke three times, and I want to recommend from the start, a it's Luke's commentary on Luke by Joel Green, and he actually recently moved to the Valley. I think he has some health issues, but he would be uh, nice to connect with. I had him for one class last year. He's considered the Lucan expert. So are you saying we should stalk him? I think so. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't stalk Joel. Don't do that. No. But... I would, some people say, I don't know because I have not used a ton of commentaries, but people in Christian academia say it's considered not only the best commentary on Luke, but one of the best commentaries ever written on anything. So I recommend that. Yeah, that's a pretty. (laughs) That's that's a pretty striking
0: endorsement Mm -hmm. considering we have commentaries from... John Calvin, we have mm-hmm. commentaries from Martin Luther, we have com- centuries of commentaries. So, yes. for his to be the best one ever,
1: that's... Well, it might be an overstatement, but, you know, hyperbole. Um, he is not from the Reformed tradition, and sometimes I find that a little refreshing. <laughs> Mary Healy's commentary on Hebrews, and she's Roman Catholic, is is really excellent. <clears throat> so... Yeah, we mostly stick with our tradition, and that's a good thing, right? We love it. But there's other people God are using in different traditions. So, this idea of the poor, that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast here. I asked um, a group of women how often they thought Jesus had, or God in his word, had instructions for how we are to care for the poor in the Bible. Do you remember the answers we got? People were throwing out numbers, like how many times is mentioned. I don't remember. Maybe you were sick that day, but they were saying 100, 200. Someone said 365, one for every day of the year. It's probably more than 1,000. Yeah, it's it's over 2,000 times. And it's not just, you know, in Luke. Oh, no, it's throughout
0: the scripture.
1: Yeah, Deuteronomy and Luke, I would say... If you could read the parts of Deuteronomy that cover the Book of the Covenant with all the particular, you know, specific things God instructed towards the poor and you're reading Luke at the same time, I think it's going to be very, very powerful. Suffice it to say, God has a special love for the poor. I don't know how else to say it. Jesus, his heart for the poor, reading through Luke, if, if, you know, you read through Luke for a lot, you know, the Gospels for a lot of things. Read through it with that in mind, and it is, it's going to pop up on every page, right? Starting with the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's not in the beginning of Luke, but if we start there, Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor, right? And all these, you know, different blessings. Joel Green believes, and I, I agree with him. It took me a little while to get there that the poor... Most of the time in the Bible, when it's talking about the poor, it means economically poor. So just say that most of the time, that's what it says. I don't think that's, I think that we don't need to limit it that much. What do you think, Linda? Oh, absolutely. I think there's, there's
0: physical poverty, but there's also spiritual poverty. And um, as Christians, spiritual poverty (coughs) should be a huge concern, whether it's, within our own families, within our circle of <coughs> friends, our church community, or people outside.
1: Yeah, so I think community. The, I think we make, can make a case if you go and look at the word in Greek. I'm not some language person, so I'm not gonna act like I am, but the preliminary stuff I looked into, the word poor can be used, like Linda said, spiritually poor in spirit, However, in the case of, especially in Luke, we see it meaning anyone who's marginalized. So marginalizes is a modern world word, right? We don't see that word in the Bible, so we have to be careful of, what is it, anachronistic island uh, language, how do you say it? Is it, it has a chronicle in it, but it's the idea of taking- Anachronistic? Yeah, I can't say that yeah. word, what's wrong with me? Anyway, thank you, Linda. You know, taking a term today and trying to apply it can be clunky. However, I think the concepts there. Who do we see Jesus looking reaching out to in Luke, a- and the other gospels as well? Well, we see him reaching out to
0: people with physical um, disabilities or deformities. We see him reaching out to people with mental or emotional mm-hmm. problems. We see him reaching out in Zacchaeus's case, right? He was wealthy. He had money. He was short, but he had money. <laughs> and and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I gotta go to your house. I gotta come hang out with you. And Zacchaeus comes to repentance
1: like that. Um, and Zacchaeus is marginal because he was hated. Right. As a tax collector. Right. <coughs> the woman at the well, from
0: Israel's mm-hmm. perspective, she was hated because she was a Samaritan woman. She was also like a serial adulteress. And yet Luke says that Jesus had to go through Samaria mm-hmm. when typically Jews went around Samaria, so they wouldn't pollute themselves. With those stinking Samaritans, Yeah, with those nasty Samaritan people. So I think we see poverty in all kinds Mm -hmm. of expressions that fit that marginalized category, but we have to be careful.
1: We have to be careful because... (laughs) these 2,000 verses are almost all about economic poverty. And that's what we're going to focus on today. We just wanted to make sure we gave that background that Jesus loved people on the fringes of society. He said, you know what? Greatest wouldn't come. Go to the highways, go to the byways. Invite the poor, the lame, the crippled. Mm -hmm. You know, his heart was so soft because they lacked things in this world that we take for granted. Right. And Jesus knew that. He knew how particularly difficult it is to live in this world as a poor person. Well, and
0: at some point he said, the Son of Man did, came for the unrighteous, the ones who know they need a doctor, mm-hmm. not for the righteous. Because righteous people, <laughs> if... If Paul says, no one is righteous, no, not one, and Jesus says, I didn't come for the righteous people, Mm -hmm. then the righteous people aren't actually
1: righteous, they just think they're righteous. Yeah, which is... Which
0: is delusion.
1: Yes, and I think you hit on something really, really important there, Linda. Us who are rich, and we are rich... We are. There are, I'm not saying there are no poor people in America. That would be a ridiculous thing to say. There are. And there are people who struggle. Most of us have way more food than we need, choices of clothing, a car. You know, we are in the top, what, 3% of wealth? Most of us.
0: In the world. In the world,
1: yeah. So when Jesus is talking about warnings to the rich, that's us. Doug and I were watching a special where Michael Jordan's house is for sale. One of his homes. Which one are you buying? <laughs> well, the one we settled on is about $15 million, So well, we're working towards that. But as the agent was taking us through the house, you know, on the screen, it was almost hard to take in. It's on 15 acres, has its own, of course, basketball court, tennis courts, golf range, um... The guest house was so big and luxurious, I, I didn't even know what to do. But in this, there's three different levels to this house. Anyway, there must have been at least 12 to 15 family rooms, living rooms, sitting areas. Like, I'd get lost in here. And we're thinking, wow, the guy's really rich, but he has more than no, I, I was saying, no one needs that. And Doug's like, yeah, but we have plenty of things we don't <laughs> need. it kind of reminded me, yeah, I'm a wealthy woman, even mm-hmm. though I don't think of myself that way. Mm-hmm. So all these two, th- over 2,000 instructions to the poor, this is on God's heart and it needs to be on ours. And for me personally, sometimes I'm a little apprehensive because I don't believe how some of the more progressive Christians deal with helping the poor, or how they frame it, Right. I don't want to sound like them, but we need to quit that, right? Well... If it's biblical, it's
0: biblical. It is biblical, and it is something we are called to do. My struggle, and I might as well say it, um, as a church, we read through a book called When Helping Hurts, Mm -hmm. and in the United States, in our culture, we have so many programs and resources for people who have need right Mm -hmm. and and when I see a person begging on the street I don't I'm really torn I don't know how to really help them because I don't think giving them five bucks helps
1: I think it perpetuates the problem. I think you put on something important. Can you save that yep. when we get to application at the end? Because we really need to talk about that. So don't let me forget. All right, let's start in the Old Testament. Okay. We see this where? Look at all of the stipulations in the law for the poor people. Don't plow the corners of your fields. Only harvest them once so that gleaners can come through there's a whole context of the book of ruth correct yes so jesus said you're always going to have the poor with you right now let's just say it we're not going to solve this problem this side of heaven that's not what this is about we just want to be faithful to god and have on our hearts the things that are on his we're not going to solve this problem think of what you want to do for everyone and do it for a few and if we all did that Mm -hmm. how powerful would that be yeah So we have those things. How about the year of Jubilee? What do you think? Oh, the year of Jubilee was a
0: year of of forgiveness. I mean, part of it was as a demonstration of God's grace, right? Mm -hmm. You have gotten yourself into this whatever situation you're in, financially or with your land, and the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, God's going to restore everything you lost, which for us will come when Jesus Mm -hmm. comes again. And God will restore everything that was lost, everything that (coughs) was, every wrong will be made right. You know, Joel says that he will give us back the years the
1: locusts have eaten. Mm -hmm. woo You know what's weird? I was praying for a friend this morning on the way in, and I thought of that verse because she's had some loss in her life and now God has answered some prayers and things are getting better. So it was so weird, I was thinking of that verse. But yeah, so God has made this year of Jubilee, right? So that, say poor people have to sell land to live. Like I don't wanna sell my land, but I have to to eat. So they can sell it, but they, at the end, what is it, every seven years? Jubilee was every 50. Oh, every there was 50. A Sabbath. There was a oh. Sabbath for the
0: fields every seven years. Okay. And the Jubilee was every 50 years. So if you sold your land, the way they calculated the value was based on how many years the person would hold it between the time Mm -hmm. of the sale, quote unquote sale, and the year of Jubilee when that would be restored.
1: So most likely to the family, you know, 50 years later. Yeah. People. Okay. It's a provision. Just like we don't understand, you know, the leave marriage. You know, we can't, we don't have time to go into that. But <clears throat> all these stipulations that are in the law, they are, uh, these commandments are to help people who are marginal, whether it be, you know, widows or the poor, the lame. Let's just read a few verses. And then Linda, I want you to comment. Deuteronomy 15, if among you, one of your brothers should become poor, If any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. Linda, have you ever felt like you've despised the poor?
0: You know, I think it's easy sometimes to think that people are poor and it's, It's like my, you know, one of my uncles used to say, well, they made their bed, they can lie Mm -hmm. in it. And that really is Mm -hmm. hard-heartedness. Because we don't know the circumstances.
1: We don't know
0: what led them to make those mistakes. Um, I think it's interesting. Even, like, mass murderers. All these young guys that are... Killing people, and um, I was listening to a podcast, and someone has done a study, and eighty six percent—I think that's the right number—eighty six percent of those young men have no connection to a father,
1: mm. and had you know, yeah, and so that doesn't mean that it's okay what they do. We're not saying no, that. We're just saying that no. we should, whether you know people do things in mental illness in poverty they steal in poverty you know the whole acting out in violence for men who don't grow up with fathers you know all these things are not excuses people are still culpable what we're saying is how let's take a small thing you don't feel good you have a migraine it is hard to be civil to people yes are you called to be civil to people and not crab no matter what yes Yes. but we should have compassion for those and like you said, we don't know what most of the people on the streets, excuse me, <coughs> are there for. You know, mental illness or drug addiction. Right. That's most of it. Some just fall on hard times and it's temporary, and they get back up on their feet. So I get I get it. I, you know, since we've read what helpings hurt, I I don't em- I still embrace it, but there's things I don't as much as I used to when you know years ago when we read it. I think it can be, and maybe it's just me personally, you know, use an excuse not to do anything. And sometimes we're so confused. We're immobilized, not because we want to be disobedient. It's like, well, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Well, this guy's not working. Well, yeah, but he's not right in the head. And, you know, so I get it. I don't like to hand people $5 either. I have friends who... We will get to the application part later, but let's let's read some more verses okay. about God's heart. <clears throat> Deuteronomy fifteen again, for there will never cease to be for poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor. Open wide. That's an overflowing. Right. God know. is calling us to be generous. That's right.
0: Um You know, a lot of times when I pray, I ask for the ability to extend grace as freely as I have received Mm. grace because God never, ever, 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 ever withholds anything Mm -hmm. that we need. No, (laughs) right? No, we don't get everything we want, but he promises that. He will provide for our needs. And our biggest need is Christ. Right. Our biggest need is salvation. And that we have guaranteed.
1: Yeah, but scripture warns us about that, right? Those who have the world's goods, it's harder to see Christ. It's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle on a camel, right? Right. Then, So we need to really watch our souls... You know, mm-hmm. be mindful of what God is saying. Um, Blessed is he who considers the poor in the day of trouble. The Lord delivers them. There are blessings from obeying this. It's better to be a, a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide spoil with the proud. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Even a cup of water, right? When we do it, right. we're doing it for Christ. We could go on and on. There, Really, I anyone who has an interest read luke and highlight or mark down or write down everywhere he talks about that jesus loved the poor and he, like linda said in the mar, the other marginal as well people that no one else want you know he went to leper colonies and yeah. and touched lepers what does that tell you about our savior right he right. is not someone who holds his nose when he comes you know i sinfully <clears throat> have gone by you know, homeless compounds and just like, oh, what an eyesore.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
1: but what a reminder. May we never just drive by them again, right? We don't have a ton of time. We could go on. I mean, 2,000 verses, we could go, oh. go on forever. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, talk forever. about application. So when we think if we're, we're going to extend, you know, past just economic poverty, that's going to be the main focus, but people who are enslaved, and there are people, just as many people, being enslaved today as any other time. We don't think about that where we live more. I just heard
0: today about um, that sex trafficking and sexual slavery is um, increasing dramatically. Mm -hmm with the influx of illegal immigrants coming across the border.
1: <laughs> That's a sad, sad It thing. is heartbreaking. Yeah, and like we said in the beginning, we're not gonna solve this problem of the poor. We're not. No. However, what are we called to do before God? And we can't do everything. So we're not, this is not a guilt trip to say, there's blessings for us as we get the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ in us to where we can reach out in ways that we can. So if you think of part of it is, it, where I get frustrated is we're already part of a system that in some ways we can't get out of. Right. So we're in this globalized world system where, so I can wear Nikes, someone, you know, some 10 year old in Taiwan is getting paid $1.50 a day to make them or what I made that up. But you know what I mean. You get the the idea. So we can't do anything about that per se. And so it's not a sin to buy those things. However, what if we just did I'm just spitballing here. What if we did more things that weakened that system a little bit? Like thrift. You know? You're helping a nonprofit and you're not perpetuating Stuff that's made in other countries where they don't have the laws that we have. Right. You know, this is a little thing. You're like, well, that what's that going to do? I know. I know. And I have those same frustrations. But we have to do something.
0: But those are the things.
1: That reminds
0: me of, you know, we just studied Ecclesiastes. And the preacher says repeatedly, do what comes to your hand to do. Mm, good. And so we reach out to the people that God puts in our path to some extent, right? right. We support the organizations that God lays on our heart to support. We um, minister in the ways within our church community that God gives us <coughs> the opportunity to do. Whatever, Whatever that is, we should be doing it. We should. Christians should be the people that live within their means and always have enough yeah. to give. Yeah. Enough
1: to share. Um yeah, we don't have to give everything away. That's not what no. God's requiring. No. But <clears throat> there's this verse, first John 3:17 and 18. Um whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Yeah. That verse really convicted me. And This is how selfish I am, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, a friend wanted to borrow a game, but we had just got the game and we loan things out to people and they never come back. And I was getting a little bitter about that, which is ridiculous, right? Just ask for it back or get another one. No big deal, right? <clears throat> I didn't want to lend the game. I felt this turmoil and this is a friend and this is a game. <laughs> Who cares, right? And I was like, we've had it three days and they're borrowing it already and they're gonna lose the pieces. And then I read that verse and it's like, okay, I am really lacking some understanding here. I love the game, they turned, returned it, everything was fine. But if we have the world's goods, we see someone in need, and this goes to what you were saying, Linda, who's in our path? And you might be sitting there listening going, I don't really have poor or needy people in my path. That could be legit, right? I'm going to recommend a book. It's not a Christian book. It's called Half the Sky. And it, now this book is highlighting women who are oppressed throughout the world through the sex trade, poverty, lack of education. And they do a great job of explaining, it's a husband-wife team, can't remember their names. They do a great job of, you know, identifying the problem and it really gives you a picture that you can't, lose it's so stark the picture they paint and they're very honest about we can't fix this but they give very practical ways that you can help and one way is you know charity Um, charity navigator has been a huge help to me because I don't want me personally I don't want to give to I won't mention any names of certain charities but where the CEO is making a half a million dollars a year when there are organizations where they make a more modest right and more for and so charity navigator it has a star system but it will tell you this amount you know this amount of your dollar like 80 80 cents on the dollar goes directly to the cause oh, we understand there's administrative costs in that we're not being worried about that I would look into things like that we only have a few minutes linda um so we want to talk about other ways to apply this um helping those in your path i think that's the main thing and if you don't know anyone you know if we pray i think i have seen god bring situations to us and we have to use discernment right but we should be generous
0: I think God, yeah, I think God brings things to us as individuals. He also brings things to us in a church community (coughs) setting where we can help as a church. Um, Oh, yeah. One really simple thing I think we can do is when we donate stuff. I mean... I go through my closet and I have clothes that I no longer wear that are in good condition or I have shoes that don't fit right that I've practically never worn Um, you know an appliance I bought for the kitchen and then I don't use it as much as I thought I would those things we can give yes right not for the tax write-off
1: but just to give and that is, I think that is a great way to do it because I mean, <clears throat> when Doug and I just had Ryan, someone gave us a car, saved us. Then we had four kids and we were in a uh, Toyota Tercel. No. <laughs> Which means we can never go everywhere together because three car seats do not fit in the back of a two-door Tricel. Um, But it saved us. It, it gave Doug a way to get to work. People have given my kids cars and then there was one chain event where someone gave one of my kids cars and then they gave their car to someone else. And then they gave their car. There was like four cars being passed down. I think that's great. If you don't need the money, mm-hmm. give it away. As That helps the environment when things are brought new. Thrifting helps, you know, yeah, I can't think of the word, but thrifting helps you not, you know, deplete the environment as much. Oh all these recycled things. I think the question we need to ask ourselves honestly in prayer is, when is enough enough? Right. And when do we start making choices to limit our consumerism so we can obey Christ? Yeah. I mean,
0: when is enough enough? How many dishes do you need? Or how many pots and pans do you need or, or actually use? And if you don't actually use things, give them to if, someone and- who can use them. And that might mean donating them to a thrift store so that someone who needs them can get them at a very reduced price. And I would be careful about the thrift stores that you donate to.
1: Yeah, they are not all equal as far as pennies to the dollar what gets donated.
0: Right, and some thrift stores are supporting churches or really great organizations other thrift stores are really commercial ventures, and you need to know which is which.
1: Yeah. Ask around. People can help with that. Go on yes. Charity Navigator. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have a heart for? You can't do everything. Um, so when we think of the poor and the marginal, um, I would look into the um, Heifer International. Ah, yeah. You can, you know, for Christmas, everyone in your family, pitch in and buy a steer. That can help a poor family start a business That is lucrative, believe it or not. Um, Or I like the Fistula Foundation that helps women who are among the lowest of the lowest despised in their cultures. Mm -hmm. And for very little money, you can provide the surgery they need where they're welcome back into society. Um, Operation Smile Mm.
0: does surgeries for children with cleft lips and palates. They do wonderful work. They do. Um, There are a couple of charities, and I can't remember the names, I apologize, but they offer micro-loans. Those are awesome. To people so that they can start a business. They might just need $25 to get started with something. Um, there There are all kinds of opportunities. And it's, but it's interesting on the flip side of that, um, donating clothing to be sent overseas doesn't necessarily help. No, it doesn't. Because then people are getting free stuff rather than buying the stuff from their
1: neighbor who has a small business. Right, it doesn't support the local economy. I've heard in Haiti, they have mountains of t-shirts from the West. Yes. Or like those Tom shoes, I guess, really weren't that helpful. So we need to be wise. But there's a way to do this and navigate it simply. And you know what? We still have tons we can enjoy. We don't need to feel guilty about the blessings that God has given us. But boy, what a difference when we start looking at the world through the lens of the marginal. Yeah. And what can we do in this coming year, right? To move towards the people that no one really wants to bother with. They're on God's heart. But
0: scripture says that God gives us everything richly to enjoy. So he's not asking us to suffer or do without. He's asking us to share
1: out of the bounty that he has given us. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, and he... Has given us. And he has so given much. us. All right, I'm going to close with a verse, a passage, James two fourteen through 70. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Just another area where we can be stretched to obey God more. And really, we get the blessing as well, right? As God kind of goes with the incarnational living, we, you know, Christ lives through us, you know, through his spirit, and we can be his hands and feet. And Mm. sometimes we're just too busy. I don't think it's like any of, I don't know of anyone who just doesn't want to help. I think we get so busy and wrapped up in things that we just need to be reminded. Yeah. Sit back, notice, notice those who are in need, and do what you can. And if you can't, God knows that, right? And sometimes what you can do is pray for the person, whether mm. you know them or not. Um, yeah. Um, and Thanksgiving, we made extra food and made a bunch of plates, and a couple people went and took them to this homeless compound near our house. And, um, and they talked about Christ it wasn't like oh you have to hear a gospel presentation before you get a plate of food nothing like that but um, so my son likes doing cold turkey street evangelism from time to time so he was you know talking to them he had brought some pamphlets and stuff and and you know we don't always get my point here is we don't always get the reaction we want where everyone's like fawning over us but we do it mm-hmm. for the Lord not anyone else but so he's talking to this one guy the Lord and the guy takes the plate and goes, thanks for the food. Thank you, Jesus. And, like, and he lit a crack pipe. <laughs> and thank you, Jesus, for this pipe. And Ryan's like, oh, okay, well, um, I'll, can I pray for you? And just kind of left it at that. We're not responsible for the outcome. We can't. But here's the hope too, right? One day there will be no poor on the earth. There will be no more need when Christ returns. And we keep our eyes focused on him. Right. And try to obey in the meantime. Right. All right. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Gail. Bye now. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by the Women of King of Kings Church. Visit our show notes for more information.